Just stop it. The run-of-the-mill, cheesy, humdrum bullshit status quo just tires me out. What fascinates me are the industry disruptors, the superhuman frontiersmen or women who go through hell to achieve their goals. Join me as we meet and learn from those mavericks, rebels, and business leaders that aren't afraid to piss off the establishment in order to make radical change for good. Sponsored by Johto PR, the disruptive anti-PR firm that murders your competition with cinder blocks and cyanide. This is Disruption Interruption. Welcome back, everybody, to Disruption Interruption. I'm your host, KJ, and we're here today to talk with someone who has taken the reins of their industry horse and steered it off the lame, tired path. Today's guest has been in trucking and logistics and now education for 30 plus years. The trucking industry, as you guys know, has been changing drastically. Technology, training, logistics, supply chain, but especially recruiting, which you may not know. Our guest today has been in nearly all positions in trucking, a truck driver and management, and now he is the CDL instructor at Patterson High School in Patterson, California. Welcome, Dave Dime. Hi, KJ. Thanks for having me today. Yay, we need to have the background. We need to have the clapping noise. <laughs> there you go. Hey. <laughs> so for everybody that doesn't know, what does CDL stand for? That stands for commercial driver's license. Okay, good. And you're at a high school. So before we high get school. into this, because people are, they're probably like not quite getting what this is going to be about. Now, folks, I will tell you, this is changing the industry. This is the front lines of changing the industry. We have a humongous shortage of truckers right now. But before we get into that, Dave, tell our audience, what is your number one ingredient to disruption? Yeah, great question. And so uh, uh, Patterson High School Trucking is actually one of the first high school uh, trucking pro programs in the nation. This whole thing came about because there was a need. And I really saw that, you know, when you see a need, you got to get involved, you have to act upon it regardless of how maybe uncomfortable or how difficult that might feel. Prior to starting the high school trucking program, I was actually an elementary school teacher for 17 years, but also involved in trucking. I'll talk more about a nonprofit I used to run on the side. But when I saw this need for a high school program to really kind of create a pipeline, I was kind of leery that maybe I, was, I wasn't the right person for the job, but I also knew that something had to be done. And I literally, when I decided to call my superintendent and, and kind of share, share with him this idea, I picked up that phone four times before I finally dialed the last, the, the, the last digit. And I'm so, thank, I'm so glad I did because it is literally, we are definitely changing the industry today. That's fantastic. So the main ingredient is do the right thing, do something. Do something. That's what my father always says. He says, <laughs> something is always better than nothing. If you do nothing, nothing's ever going to change. It's true. It's and you're going to- and you're going to find out very quickly if what you did was correct or not. And, and so, uh, yeah. Do something. Do I something. like that. <laughs> I like that. Well, you know, when disruption and innovation takes place or you see the need for it, do something. Okay, so let's talk about this trucking industry, right? You've been in it for 30 plus years. Gosh, we know lots of people and we have lots of clients in trucking and shipping and logistics. And the technology aspect has been amazing. But let's talk about the status quo. Because... Mm -hmm. I'll tell you from my, you know, outside looking in and, you know, the status quo has been, it's been an older male industry, not really like a high tech job, not really something that people aspired to be right. Nope. Um, <laughs> no, no, not at all. 
Yeah. And that's really changing and people don't know how much it's changing, but what has the status quo been for you and what needed to be changed? Yeah. So uh, like I said, I've been in trucking since 1988. There's always been a demand for well-trained drivers. The problem is we have a driver shortage. We have an aging workforce. Uh, 25% of our current drivers are getting close to the age of retirement. So 25%. companies, 25%. Now let's give this before you, I'm going to interrupt you because mm-hmm. I really want our listeners to understand what that means. Cause they go, oh, okay. It's a fourth of the workforce, yeah. but not only that, I don't know how many truckers there are, but we have a 60 to 80,000 um, shortage of truck drivers, <laughs> right? Right. So what is this? So 25% is going to be aging out, right? So yes. what is that going to boost that shortage up? To? Oh my gosh. They're saying in the next, you know, seven years, we could be up to close to 125,000 up to. Wow. So okay. The, shortage. We just don't have a lot of young people that are going into this industry. Okay. So the name of the game right now is for companies to steal drivers from each other. And that's how it's been. That's oh, the yeah. status quo. Sure. Steal them from each other. But how, how do you steal a driver? Well, you throw more money. And it's literally, and drivers know this and you can just go down the street. If you can do the same job and make, make an extra $10,000 a year. Yeah. You're going to jump ship. That gets no handling for this shortage. How do you steal a driver.com? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so seriously, that's been the oh, it is. And Companies are getting very creative as far as how to make their companies look more enticing with better benefit packages and, you know, paid time off. And some companies are offering, um, you know, a salaried position versus getting paid by the load or by the mile. And, wow. Uh, I mean, it's great for the driver. I have some former students that are, you know, close to making six figures. They're making more than I am. The problem is those trucking companies can't absorb those costs. So they have to pass them on to who? The consumer. So ultimately, we all end up paying a higher price for those, for those goods. And that's really what's happening. And not yeah. only do we have inflation happening, we have higher price for these goods because how do you steal a driver? Well, I guess the immediate solution with the problem they're trying to solve is I'm going to steal this driver, but I've got to pay more money. And then, mm. oh, I've got to steal him back and I got to pay more money. And oh, I got to steal him back and pay more money. <laughs> and eventually who pays, right? Exactly. We pay. We all do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what's the, what's the solution for this? What's this innovation? Well, you know, it's really about creating a pipeline of, of young, well-trained talent. Mm-hmm. The, the problem is, well, how do you encourage younger people to go into this industry when the industry does have a horrible reputation? It does have uh, a stigma. Oh, okay. my gosh. And it's been, I mean, when I was growing up as a kid, trucking was something that we looked up to. At least I did. They were known as the, they were, known as the, the, they were called the Knights of the Road meaning that the driver was somebody you could trust. If you're broke down inside the road, they're going to pull over and be there for assistance. They were just very professionals. And it seems like over the years, we've kind of got away from that. You were talking earlier about, you know, how many younger people want to go into trucking. I remember the look on my mom's face when I told her I was going, going to go to a truck driving school. Just that look at disappointment, like really be, going to become a truck driver. And ask any young, as well, ask any parent today, you know, if they have children, what do you want for your kids? And probably 99% are going to say, I want my kids to go to college, right? No one's going to say, I want my kid to, to become a, a truck driver. And so, well, you know, let's get into that too, because not only the status quo of the industry where they're stealing other drivers, mm-hmm. but I mean, not everybody's cut out for college. And I mean, I, I can't tell you how many people I know that aren't doing what they went to college for and they have astronomical college debt, right? Yes. And we don't have 
enough vocational programs in our high schools anymore. No, we don't. And this is no. a big issue. I mean, people, vocational school, right? Truck drivers, mm -hmm. HVAC, yep. plumbing. plumbing, what else? I mean, you can get out of school. Not everybody's made for college. You can get out of school and make good money. People need that, right? Oh, yes. Well, you're right. And that's the problem. And I've seen it. You know, I see both sides. I've been in education for 22 years. Elementary school teacher. Our focus was on really and you know educating people young uh, young people as far as the benefits of college not once do we kind of have a conversation about vocational uh, vocational schools or the military we don't we kind of keep just we kind of almost set them up for failure so and then by the time they get to high school we just automatically think oh you know now they're going to uh, consider a vocational trade no they're not they're still focused on college so i think first we have to do a better job of educating our youth getting going into the middle schools going into the elementary schools but then also providing those opportunities to actually get that education. Right. So what is the stigma that's incorrect about trucking today? Because what, we have different technology, we have different oh. trucks, we have different vehicles, there's different jobs. Sure. A lot of different jobs. Yeah, a lot yeah. of people think that trucking is, you're gonna be gone for six months at a time, you're gonna be living in this, this old beat up truck and that's gonna be your life. And it's like, no, there, you know, many companies do offer local positions. If somebody does want to really find that work-life balance, you can find a job out there that's going to meet what you want out of your life. If you want an adventure, yeah, there's what we call over-the-road trucking jobs where you can be gone for you know two, three weeks at a time. But it's it's more professional than people think, and the money is a lot better than what people think. Well, but, some of these I, guys coming out of school, they make sixty grand right off the top. Oh my gosh! Right yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we got some local drivers. Local drivers are home. They work five days a week. They're home every night, making one hundred twenty thousand dollars a year. You know, doing food service delivery. And so, there's some great paying jobs out there. Um, fantastic. Yeah, no, it's, it, it really is. And uh, and what it, about the trucks? I mean, and the technology. You guys train with simulators now. We do. Yeah. Yeah, that's great because like a pilot. It is yeah, exactly. And you think about it. You know, some people will say, "Well." we shouldn't be training younger people to drive trucks. Well, the military trains younger people how to drive fighter, you know, to fly fighter jets and heavy equipment. Why is that okay? It's because it's really about the quality and level and type of training. And that's one thing we're trying to do is really show people the training that they're receiving is a high caliber training. We're, we're not about just pushing people into this industry to solve a problem. We wanna make sure that, that the people that do go into this industry are well-trained, they have the mindset in fact, our, our, our theme of the program is called Leadership in Motion. And we really look at the, the qualities of a professional driver versus just the skill set. That's interesting. So what are the qualities of a professional driver? Yeah, so we look at attitude is always going to be number one. How do you handle yourself? How do you, it's a, more of a choice as far as how do you handle situations? You know, driving a truck is a hard job. It's not easy, but you still have a choice as far as how you handle when somebody does cut you off or, you know, they're not playing, playing by the rules, so to speak, you still, you still got to be the bigger person. And so we really kind of look into that mindset. We focus a lot on, you know, time management, perseverance, uh, having a caring heart. And it's great when I take my students out on field trips and, you know, we go out to some trucking companies, very often a manager will come up to me and say, Dave, I, I wish my, my drivers were as mature as your students. And that really makes me feel good knowing that we really kind of set our standards up. We, we really set the bar high for them. We, 
And we want them to, you know, really kind of present themselves in a way that they are respected as a professional driver and just not a driver. So it really comes with the training and it sounds like you guys are doing soft skill training in addition to the technology. I know soft skills. I mean, 99% of people are a hundred percent of people are are hired for their hard skills, but 99 point something percent or people are leave a profession or are terminated because of their soft skills. So a caring heart, right? (laughs) Perseverance, (laughs) things like that. skills you're working into this program yeah and we're able to you know kind of analyze how we are handling situations but we also kind of look at the industry as a whole so so we start off every day looking at what what are the top five headlines in trucking we want our students to kind of keep a pulse on the industry and we're able to kind of you know kind of dissect what's going on in the industry based on those professional driver qualities. So it's a constant conversation. It's just not like we have a, a poster up on the wall that says, oh, this is what we believe in. We try to take, you know, take a little a step further than that. That's fantastic. Tell me about the actual training and the use of the simulators mm-hmm. and the rest of it. How do you really prepare these younger adults yeah. to become really good drivers? Yeah. So it's a one-year class at Patterson High School. We work with seniors. So it's a, they, they take the class, it's one hour a day for 180 days. So that's 180 hours. Students are also required to do an additional 30 hours on the simulators. And this is done outside of the regular classroom hours. This is held after school. And the simulators are fantastic because I used to work with adults and without a simulator. And the simulators, is they, they're able to break down the skills one at a time and really kind of with built-in remediation, they learn quicker, they learn better, they learn faster. And so even teaching somebody how to shift a 10-speed transmission, the simulator is able to break down those concepts one at a time. And literally within about a two-week period, you can walk up to a student and they're going through the gears. They'll tell you what gear they're in. Those skills are transferable. That's all based on muscle memory. And then we're able to teach so much more in the simulator that I can't teach in real life. You know, hazard perception. How do you handle a front tire blowout? Which is something that when it happens, you're not going to have time to think about you're going to have to react. And on the simulator, we can practice them reacting versus taking that pop, that moment to think. There's no, there's going to be zero time to think. You just got to react. And if you do it incorrectly, you're going to end up killing yourself or somebody else. And so that's, that's the beautiful thing about using the simulators. Well, that's pretty incredible. And I actually have been in a simulator before. Oh, cool. Oh, good. <laughs> How'd you do? And, uh, oh, oh I, I sucked at it completely because, <laughs> you know, the drive, the instructor, he put me on the highest thing for me to see what was okay. happening. But I was like in a snowstorm, in black oh, yes. ice, on a mountain or cliff or, you know, a road on a mountain. Of course, I, you know, killed myself. <laughs> Oh, but I also did that parking and things mm-hmm. like that. I mean, I was impressed at number one, my reaction, how bad my reaction was not knowing. And then he says, no, you would have done this. And then I logically thought about it. And so he actually backed me down and then, you know, I was able to do that. Right. But he started right. me off at the highest gradient and we did it over and over and over. So I could see how that would be muscle memory. You just mm-hmm. want to how else are you going to train like that? I mean, in real life, right? You don't want to do that in real life. You want to know before you go, right? Exactly. I could feel the truck. I mean, it was amazing. Everything, all the views that I could see, right. the parking was amazing. And I could see how women and small women, like 
one of the instructors was this tiny woman. She'd been, you know, trucking for 15 years or so. Right. And I was like, oh, I could really see how women could be in this profession now and do a really great job. Oh, oh yeah, definitely. You know, I was trained by a female instructor in 1988, which was very uncommon. And she was great. I mean, she was hard on me, and but she made me a really good driver. And I, I definitely credit that to her. The, the problem is that we, speaking of, of females, is that we need more female role models. And only 10% of our drivers today currently are, are female. And that number has been pretty stagnant. We, we just haven't seen a, a large increase in, in female drivers. And so one of the things we're trying to do through the Patterson program is is kind of create those role models and then go out, take the female students I currently have and get them out in the elementary schools and middle schools and start planting that seed to say, hey, you know what, this is a career you might want to start thinking about. But without role models, it, the industry is never going to grow. Yeah. And there's a lot of, well, I know it's only at 10%, but there's more women getting into it. So you're starting a program where they're like a ambassador or advocacy program where they're going to go to other schools to... Yeah. It was great. I did a, um, we try to go out to the middle schools and we do their, you know, a career day. And I did one, uh, this is pre-COVID. I took uh, my female student I had that year. Her name's Leilani and she was fantastic. But it was funny because they actually had me signed up to speak underneath the, the title of logistics. So guess how many seventh and eighth graders wanted to hear this old guy talk about logistics? <laughs> I, I, I had a grand total of zero that signed up. So the principal, he pulled me off to the side. And he's like, Dave, I got some bad news. No one signed up to hear you speak today. So we're going to force 90 students to come listen to you. I'm like, great, receptive audience, right? Yeah, nice. <laughs> so I had three groups, three groups of 30. Leilani and I were there. We did our presentation. It was, we just gave out information about the trucking industry. It was fun and interactive. And we thought it, was, it went okay. But two weeks later, I received these thank you cards in the mail. And being in education... Uh, for 22 years, it was very obvious which ones were force written and which ones were more genuine, right? Like, like the ones that were force written were almost written with anger. Like, thank you, you know, the the shrapnel, the pencil shrapnel's flying. But the genuine ones were very specific. And this is what I found out. 47% of the students that heard that 30-minute long presentation who didn't want to be there in the first place either said, A, I'm going to take your class when I go to high school, or B, I'm now considering trucking as a career. 47%, all because we just gave them a little bit of information. I'm like, that's the missing link. We got to do a much better job of going into these elementary and middle schools and providing that information to these students. That's huge. It is. Well, give me, give me an example of these people that are coming out of training, right? So, so they do a CDL vocational class. It's a year-long program. Is that right? Yeah, so 180 hours classroom, 30 hours simulator, and then okay. once they once they graduate from our program, they re-enroll in our adult education program. Okay. And we use adult ed, adult education funding to contract through a private truck driving school. They actually do the behind the wheel training for us, and that's another 110 hours. Wow, 110 hours! Is this all in their senior year? It could be yeah. Like so they uh, they'll do their behind the wheel training once they graduate from high school. They'll do that during the summer. That's fantastic. So they go to this adult education where they actually do 110 hours behind Mm -hmm. the wheel. Behind the wheel. And then after that, are they able to get their CDL? Yes. So that's, yeah, that's prepared for them. And now once they, yeah. Yeah. Well, does this adult education course help them place them for jobs and, you know, careers by companies that are looking for truckers? Yes. 
And, yeah. and that's what the, that's what we do at the high school. We actually do that. And we have some wonderful industry partners. Now, not all of our industry partners can hire a driver at the age of 18. Right. Either based on insurance or there's a, a something called interstate regulations. Mm-hmm. So that means if you're under the age of 21, you can't cross state lines and you cannot even participate in interstate commerce. That means you can't transport products that are either going to another state or came from another state. Now, luckily being in California, we have a lot of real estate. And so there's more opportunities. But if you're from the state of Delaware, I mean, you what you drive 30 miles before you hit a state line. <laughs> so you're kind of you're boxed in. But one thing all of our industry partners have done, which I think this is the missing link, is that they've all created career pathways for our students. So they're going to bring them into this industry, either working in the shop, the warehouse, driving a shuttle truck, because if you don't bring them in now, they're just going to go down to, they're going to take a different industry path. They can't wait till they're 21 to go into trucking. They need, they need a, you know, they want to start their lives today at the age of 18. Well, there's lots of positions. I mean, just because we have a shortage of, you know, 60 to 80,000 and eventually 125,000 truck drivers. I mean, for every truck driver, you have administrative positions. And um, like you said, like the warehouse and the mechanics and the, you know, what about the ones that when you have deliveries, they actually then park the trucks. Are they called mm-hmm. hostler? The yeah, hostler, hostler yard? Yeah. Yeah. Hostler yard? Yes. Yes. Um, you'll have to tell our listeners what that is, but they have all these positions in trucking that it's in, in addition to, so you could, you know, would someone say, well, why would I want to do truck driver t- training and then go to some other position? But why would they? Because you did. Yeah, well, it's it's great because those, the skill sets that you're going you're gonna to learn in those other positions are going to make you a much better driver. A hostler position, which is a person who just stays in the yard and they're just moving trailers all day long. You're going to get so good at backing when you have to go in the, into the big city and where things are getting really tight and it's hard to maneuver. You're not going to have an issue. You're going to be able to back that thing right in because you've had a year or two of that experience. So I see this as a, as a positive, not a negative when it comes to, you know, the, the, the pathway of somebody that who's younger that wants to go into trucking. And even in management or administration, it really helps to know what the industry is like, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. And some of my students, um, I have one student this year, he wants to become a diesel mechanic. But he wants to get his class A license, right? Because that's going to make him more marketable because yeah. a lot of these mechanics, they want to hire people that can actually move the truck versus yeah. just working on the truck. And so that, yeah, that's going to create so many more opportunities for him by having that class A license. That is badass. I love yeah. that. And then tell me about the trucks. I understand they're like a veritable RV kind of today. <laughs> <laughs> the, tr- the, tr- the trucks are really nice. I actually went back and drove a truck this summer. And it wasn't uh, because I had to, it was because I wanted to. And that really is kind of a, a, a side story. Um, I shared one of the uh, daily updates I shared with my students was about the, uh, the driver shortage, how it was going to impact the California agricultural harvest. And there's a good chance that we're going to lose crops in the field because we just can't get them, get them to the processing plants. And I'm like, you know what? I made an off-the-cuff statement to my students. I said, you know what? I should go back and drive a truck this summer. You know, be part of the solution. And I said it jokingly, but the more I thought about it, it was like, oh my gosh, that makes a lot of sense. I should go back and drive this summer, which I did. And so I called up a former employer. They're one of our industry partners called Morningstar Trucking, kind of shared my idea. And I also said, you know, I'm not, it just doesn't feel right for me to keep the money. So I'm going to be donating my money to the a nonprofit we started called the Next Generation Trucking Association. And 
they said, hey, whatever you make this summer, we'll match. <laughs> I said, hey, win-win. Let's do this. Wow. But, You're like so, the only person I know that would do something like that. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, trucking's, I, I've been very blessed by trucking. I often tell people trucking saved my life because when I was going through the educational system, going through high school, I struggled. I was a DF student. And, you know, not once did my parents ever come to me and say, hey, let's talk about going to college like your older brother and younger sister. They're just hoping, hey, I don't end up locked up or dead. Right. And it wasn't until I went to truck driving school that I started getting all A's. And after I get, you know, I got my first job, I was uh, driving tankers hauling milk. It kind of the light bulb went off saying, hey, you know what? I'm not stupid. I just didn't care in high school. <laughs> right. And I see so many young people today that are going through this educational system who plainly just don't care. Well, probably because you didn't care about something. I mean, sometimes we just go through school because we have to, but do we yeah, really have exactly. a purpose? Exactly. There has to be something there. And the first year I taught this class, it was two months into the program. I had a parent that came to me one day after school and he said, I'm here to shake your hand. I'm like, for what? He said, for saving my son. I'm like, I don't understand. And he said, well, before my son Javier took your trucking class, he says, we we're losing him. He was on a path of self-destruction. He was mixed up in gang violence and drug dealing. But for the first time, we see him excited about life again. Like he feels that he can be successful. And that young man, Javier, first graduate of the trucking program, youngest driver ever for a local company. He's been in the industry ever since. And I literally, I just got a, a text message from him on Friday saying, Mr. Dine, come out to the parking lot. This is after school. And I walk outside and I see this beautiful Freightliner truck and he's big, big grin on his face. And he's Mr. Dine, I just bought this. I'm starting my own trucking company. And he said wow. that out of the nine, he called them his homies that he hung out with in high school, four currently locked up, two are dead due to gang violence. And he knows he's one of the lucky ones. So part of his, what he wants to do is grow his company, buy more trucks, and hire students from our program to give them an opportunity. Like Amazing. It is. And you think about it, we just didn't change a life. We changed. I mean, that's a generation. You know, think about all the people that he's going to impact and, you know, in the future and today. That's where I realized, oh, my gosh, what I'm doing is more than just teaching trucking. And I better do my job damn well because people are dependent on me right now. Yeah. You better do your job damn well. Yes. I know. <laughs> I am. I'm working on it. That's an incredible story. Did you ever have like a big epiphany or a moment where you said, that's it? I got to do something about this. Yeah. It's, um, well, I, I, I had a nonprofit when I was teaching elementary school and it was called Faith Logistics. And so we would work with people that came out of prison and we would teach them how to drive a truck. And I just did it during the summer times. I ran it by myself. We had seven trucks donated to us. It was a cool deal. It was great because it was about talking about seeing lives being transformed. 2016, we had to dissolve the nonprofit because all of our trucks didn't meet the new state emission requirements. That literally broke my heart because this is what I always wanted to do. This is where I felt my passion was. And to have that just being kind of ripped away from me, I was like, I was sad. And about two months later, that's when I heard that Patterson High School had a supply chain program, a warehousing program, a forklift certification program. And I'm like, hmm, the only thing they're missing is a trucking program. And that's why I decided to call our superintendent, Dr. Filofano, and kind of share you know, my idea of doing a trucking program. But as I said earlier, I, I almost never made that call because I felt I wasn't the right person to take this on. I was comfortable 
teaching elementary, even though I wasn't happy. Right. So something inside me said, man, you just got to you got to make that call. And it's been it's been wonderful ever since. And he was an earlier like he was an early adopter of this. Like what got him to also see the vision? Yeah, he, right. He's the visionary. He's the one that decided to start the supply chain and logistics management program. Patterson being a very rural agricultural community, he was able to see you know, some of the early companies that started moving into the Patterson area to build distribution centers because we're along the I-5 corridor. And immediately he's like, if they're going to be building these distribution centers, well, we want to make sure that the students that are coming out of high school are prepared for the jobs that are in this area. So he's one that that, that was the visionary behind starting the uh, that the logistics program. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. Who who are the late adopters? What and what are the challenges there to get people to see the vision on this personnel pool of younger drivers? Yeah, I think um, some people feel it's an age deal where they just, oh, we can't hire younger people. Well, they have to understand that you just can't wait for that perfect well-trained driver to show up at your door. You need to change the way you, you think about how you run your business, so to speak. You need to start thinking about investing in people and and create that that mentoring that, that you know, yeah, it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a a period of time where you have to invest in somebody for maybe two to three years before you can actually get them behind the seat driving a truck. But ultimately, you're, you're going to have a better trained employee. And if you build a really strong relationship with them, there's less chance that they're going to want to jump ship and, and just chase the dollar. And so I think that's that's really important, just kind of educating people as far as what it means to really invest in younger people. Yeah. Well, there's all sorts of companies that are hiring drivers, right? It's not just a trucking company. Let's really like talk about that because that's more of things that people don't see. I mean, look at Amazon. Yes. Amazon <laughs> hires drivers, right? Yes, they do. Right? FedEx, UPS. Right. This is all part of it, right? What other like agricultural companies? Like give me the gamut. Yeah. Because, I mean, just... because most time we're just thinking, you know, acne trucky, trucking. Companies. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Give me the gamut of all. I just I I tell people, look look around, look around the the room that you're in currently. Everything in that room was on a truck at some time. The breakfast you had, the gas in your car, the car, everything came on a truck at one time. I mean, it's such it's one of those industries that connects so many other industries without trucking. Nothing's our economy comes to a standstill. And so it is so important to make sure that we get do bring in that that pipeline of younger people to keep this industry going because right now it's not looking pretty as far as the amount of drivers that are leaving on a daily basis versus the amount that are entering. Mm -hmm. Now, this is one of the things that, you know, we talked before about the image of, of trucking and it's not great. The average age of somebody who's entering into trucking today is 38 years old. So you think about, okay, what's going on in their lives at the age of 38, they'll probably have a spouse, house payment and car payment. So why would they be now all of a sudden wanting to go into trucking as their third or fourth career choice? Well, mainly because of money. They hear, I can make a lot of money driving a truck. I often think, well, how different would our industry look and feel if people pick pick trucking as a first career choice, right? Who really have a passion for the industry versus I'm going to go into trucking just for the money. Because people who just do it for the money are not making our industry better right? They're, they're not there. We want people to kind of care about what's going on at, at a bigger level. And that's, I think that's the number one thing that's going to really change our industry is, 
is an influx of younger people who pick trucking as a first career choice. You think that we have to change the job description or the job title from truck driver to something else? I don't know if it's a title change. I think it's more of just, you know. Well, I don't think it's completely a title change, but maybe part of it, right? I mean, I've had this discussion with other people, like, because they're not really just a truck driver anymore. They're very much a technician Mm. because of all the things that they do, do, right? And the technology they work with. Do Do you agree with that or no? Yeah, yeah. Yes and no. Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely, we would definitely want people to see what this industry really is about. And that's one reason uh, we decided to form a, uh, myself along with a, a lady I met, her name's Lindsay Trent. It's called the Next Generation Trucking Association. Yeah, tell me about that. Yeah, so uh, we, we met through a mutual colleague about two years ago. And she heard about the Patterson program. And we're just talking about what's being done. Like, what, how do we solve this problem? It, it, it's an industry problem deserving of an industry solution. And we decided to form a nonprofit trade association called Next Gen and Trucking, bring the industry together and really create a unified voice that can go in and really help educate other high schools in starting, say, a program similar to the one we have in Patterson. And so we launched it officially in July of 2021. And the phone's been ringing off the hook with high schools that want to start similar programs. I think we've worked with 43 high schools so far from across the U.S., including uh, Hawaii and, and uh, Alaska. <laughs> and we're actually getting some some calls outside of the U.S. We're getting some calls from even Canada and South America now. And that's it, fantastic. It, now, how do you help these high schools? What does the foundation do? Yeah, so we're there to a lot of them have the questions. Well, what what does this look like as far as the nuts and the bolts? Like, what is the curriculum? That's something we've created, and that's something I'm willing to share. Like I said, we're not charging anything for our services or help. We just, like I say, trucking's been very good to me. I want to make sure that we can reach as many students as we can. You know, the first person I think about every day when I wake up is is Javier, because I often think this, there's 26,000 high schools across the U.S. How many Javiers are we going to lose because they don't have opportunities for their students? And so that's part of our mission is just to go in and work with these high schools as far as how to set up a program, how to do recruiting, how to do marketing, how to bring in those, you know, what good industry partners do you have in your area that we already, you know, have connections with that we can connect you with and just help them, you know, get these programs up and running. And then what about the technology? I mean, partners in the simulation too and so forth, right? Yeah. So, you know, we use uh, simulators by advanced training systems or ATS fantastic as far as training. What's great about the simulator is that when when students walk in, we do a lot of tours with other high schools, they walk in and their eyes just kind of light up when they see the sims. It's kind of like, oh my gosh, they get excited. And you've got to get people excited about trucking. And the simulators is a great way to get people like like a taste of it before they maybe decide if this is a good career fit for them. So yeah, it's definitely used. We use that as a a marketing tool to kind of show people what trucking is about. But once they're in the program, oh my gosh, there's so much we can do on the simulators. <laughs> yeah. So you have 41 or 43 high schools that are interested had, in this. Yeah. We've had conversations with uh, about 43 high schools. Got it. And this nonprofit, like how, wh- how do you raise money for that? And where, and, and what do you use with that? You use that to like create the curriculum or help the schools or reach out to them or like. Yeah. So part of, um, we're able, uh, 
we're, we're being, we do have memberships. So anyone can join, you know, nextgentrucking.org, individual memberships. We have company memberships and we also have sponsors. Those would be more for our industry partners that can come in at a higher financial level. We are just able to bring on Lindsay Trent, who she's co-founder. Uh, she's now, uh, she's our president. She's now full-time with NextGen and Trucking. There's a lot of calls that need to be made. There's a lot of connections that have to be made on a daily basis. And so finally, we got somebody there that can start to organize all that for us. Full-time. That's a big deal for a nonprofit. Huge. And so I'm still teaching full-time. So I'm very limited on my availability. I, you know, before school, after school, during my prep period, I'm always, we're meeting with schools. And we're there just to, like I say, provide that support, have those conversations uh, with their school board, industry partners, and just start connecting the dots for them. Got it. That's great. What are the challenges that you see right now, like in the future for trucking? Well, we definitely, um, the driver shortage is going to continue unless, you know, more schools can adopt what we're doing and create that pipeline. We know that's going to be an issue. Yeah, it's 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 gonna be it's it's a challenge with uh, some states with adopting new trucks, uh, new technology trucks. California, you know, we have to adopt zero emission vehicles by 2030. So, options are electric trucks, hydrogen uh, fuel cell trucks. We don't know what that's going to look like. That's still being that's a humongous challenge. Humongous challenge. Yeah, um, yeah. There's just a lot of unknowns. We just don't know. We just don't, and we don't have the infrastructure in place to really sustain it yet. So it's, no. it's a classic, you know, it's a chicken and the egg, which came first, right? The truck come first or did the infrastructure come first? But mm-hmm. you somehow they're both going to have to align to if this is going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, that is definitely a big challenge. And what are the trends that you see how this is growing? Trucking is getting a lot of attention these days. I mean, politically and otherwise, but there's a lot of attention on replacing people who have their jobs who've been displaced because of the pandemic. I mean, we have people going into trucking from oil and gas and entertainment and like healthcare. I mean, right. I think there was somebody that um, was going to, didn't make it into the NFL. So now he's going to be in trucking and there was somebody else that was on TV and they were in physical therapy or life sciences. They're going into trucking, right? What do you see is, as our future? Yeah, I mean, it's great. I, I think it's great that people, and I met a lot when I was driving, I'm, I met a lot of doctors and lawyers who are out there driving a truck. And it's because it's something they've always wanted to do. I think it's great to bring people in this industry who really care about the industry. It's good. They're going to make the industry better. We just want to make sure that people are doing it for the right reasons. Yeah. And that's why I tell my students, I said, you guys are going to be, I mean, bombarded with these dollar signs. And but if you do it for the money, you're going to be, you're, you're, you're not going to, you'll be very dissatisfied with this profession because it's a hard job. And I've had a lot of hard days behind the wheel. I never had a bad day. So even when everything just went turn south, turn south, I was always thankful that I got to call myself a trucker, right? I take great pride in that. And so we just try to make sure that they, they, they know the reasons why they're going into this industry. Yeah. Well, they are America's new hero. That's for damn sure. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> do a lot of these trucking companies have schools? Some do. Yeah, some will offer their own. We have training. We have some companies are they offer. It's called a dock to driver program. Mm-hmm. So they'll take existing employees. I've really shown that work ethic, who's shown that dependability, and actually they'll train them and to work for their company. So cool. yeah, it's a great it's it's a great opportunity for someone to get their license without going through a a very expensive truck driving school. <laughs> right. Right. 
How many girls do you have in your program at any given time in high school? Usually one, if I'm lucky. This year, I have three. And I think the reason my enrollment went up, I, I did a pilot program last year. I'm always trying to think outside the box and do something different. So I came across a company called Job Behaviors, and they created an assessment that kind of identified 400 and I believe it's 487 attributes of a professional truck driver and created an assessment around these attributes. So I tested, uh, I had 135 11th graders take this assessment. And then the students, they get their immediate feedback, but I also get the results. And then anyone who scored at the upper end, I personally contacted. I said, hey, look, you got the attributes. We can give you the skills. Maybe you never even considered trucking. I want to invite you to take the class to see if it's a good fit for you. Because of that, this is the crazy part. My female enrollment numbers went up, but this year was the first year ever where 35% of my students are students who have a GPA of a 4.0, right? So I have some of the top students in the entire high school are now enrolled in a truck driving class. And here's the cool thing. <laughs> They've all Look told at you. Yeah, this is awesome, right? This <laughs> is cool awesome. stuff. Yeah. They've all said, hey, because I've taken this class, I now have a passion for trucking, right? And they, but they still want to continue on with their educational journey and get their college degree. But they're going to use their class A license to pay their way through college, kind of like what I did. I'm oh, like, fantastic. perfect. Fantastic. No more college debt. Yes. And then <laughs> I'm they said, stoked about that. <laughs> yes. But then they said, after they get their degrees in computer science management, engineering, they all want to come back to trucking in a different capacity. Isn't that like, going to make the industry? Oh, my better. gosh. Wow. We want the best person. We just don't want the best person behind the wheel. We want the best person people in all the layers of trucking. That's I'm like, what a great way to bring more people into this industry. That is fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. You're like the movie. It's a wonderful life. You know, <laughs> if it wasn't for him, <laughs> the whole town wouldn't exist. Right. So you're bringing... <laughs> That's great. That's awesome, Dave. It's great. Well, it's nice having, I, I get it. What's great about a high school trucking program is that we're just not set at on teaching the skill set. We, we get so much more that we can teach. We want our students to have long, healthy careers, right? So that's the reason we, we, uh, we brought in a program called WorkLeet that teaches the proper way to, to, to perform industry-specific specific body movements to re reduce workplace injuries. This year, we partnered with a trucking fitness company to create a, a year-long program on health and wellness. So they really start digging in deeper about creating those habits with, you know, how do you exercise when you're, you know, when you're a truck driver? How do you eat healthy? We want to make sure that students that leave our program have that have that foundation go on to have a very healthy career. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah those are probably some of the big issues, right? It is. Exercise, eating, quality oh. of life. And when you hear that, you know, 85% of our current drivers are considered overweight and truck drivers have a life expectancy 16 years less than the general population. That's that's horrific. And that that shouldn't be that way. And so, but it's so now really we're going to have younger drivers, yes. super fit, healthy. Well, yes. Because if you think about it, if, if you're not, if you're not being as healthy choices, your career is going to end sooner yeah. and that's only going to add to the driver shortage. So yeah, it's in our yeah. best interest to make sure we educate them on health and wellness. And then what about in the way future when we have, you know, people have been talking, talking about mm -hmm. driverless fleets. Yeah. I mean, that's a long way off in the future, but uh, we're still going to be trained to be driving in the truck, like, oh, sure. right? Even if it is dry, you know, 
auto or driverless, mm-hmm. and then eventually remotely they'll be trained to drive it, right? So that's yeah. still never going to go away. Yeah, they're doing a lot of testing in Arizona and Texas. In fact, you can actually go to a school called Pima College and get a certificate as an autonomous truck driving. So you have to have your, your class A license first, and then it's five extra classes. And then you get a hiring preference with an autonomous truck company. What we see this envisioning is that, you know, someday we will probably have a person sitting in the truck, hands off the steering wheel, feet off the pedals, but they're going to be there, you know, scanning the gauges, making sure the truck is running appropriately. It's kind of like when an airplane takes off, you have two, you have two pilots. Why are they there? If it's an autopilot, well, just in case something goes bad, right? They can still take control of that vehicle. Exactly. And when you have 80,000 pounds going down the highway, which is a rolling bomb, I think a lot of people would feel a little safer knowing that there's a person there to make sure that they can take over the system. Yeah, I would. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's for so sure. would I. <laughs> so I know what you do on your off time, you drive trucks, but do you have any crazy uh, passions outside of work? Oh, yes. You know, I, um, I love backpacking. And we try to, we have a great hiking trail that runs on the West Coast here. It's called the Pacific Crest Trail. It goes from the border of Mexico to the border of Canada. It's over 2,500 miles long. And I've been hiking that since I was my 40s. And we try to hike about two to 300 miles each summer. And what I love about it is that backpacking and trucking are very similar, right? Every day is a new adventure. You don't know what's around the next corner. And you're going to meet some of the most interesting people you've, you've ever met. <laughs> and that's what I love about it. That's super cool. So you're a backpacker. That's what it's called. Yeah, backpacking, yes. And you do, and backpacking, and you take your family with you, or? Yes, we've done some family trips. I I started my two boys, they started when they were four years old. People thought I was crazy, but they did their first 33 miles, and, you know, we did it in three days when they were four, and every year, my youngest son, he goes with me every summer. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's fun. Do you have any harrowing stories? (laughs) We had one where I got, I was pinned down, we are up in the Sierras in a, um, in a thunderstorm and we had some lightning strikes popping up around us and I was getting a little bit anxious. I'm like, this is not good. I got to figure out how to get out of here safely. I had my youngest son with me at the time. So I'm like not freaking out yet, but I'm definitely anxious. And I pulled out my map trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And my son, Jake, he's like, he's like, dad, I'm like, yeah, yeah. What do you want? I'm busy. He's like, dad. I said, yeah, what do you want? He says, he looked up at me and he smiled. He says, dad, we're making memories. (laughs) (laughs) I said, you know, buddy, we are making memories. It's when everything, you know, kind of goes a little haywire. Those, those are the trips you, you remember. You don't oh, remember yeah. the trips where everything goes smooth. <laughs> yeah, no, it's true. You don't. That's awesome. That's awesome. Okay. So how do people get a hold of you? Yeah. So they can reach me. Um, my email is a ddine. That's D-D-E-I-N at patterson.k12.ca.us. Or if they want, they can go to our um, Next Generation Trucking website. And they can contact us via there. I would get the email from there as well. And that's uh, nextgentrucking.org, O-R-G. Nextgentrucking.org and your email. Dave, thank you. You really are doing a great thing. I love hearing about this. We're going to start seeing a lot of younger drivers within these companies and having stable careers. Oh, definitely. So, no, hey, thanks for having me today. It was a pleasure. Yes, you bet. That's a wrap, everyone. If you learned something today or laughed, go tell someone about this podcast and tell people to go disrupt their markets with some tidbit from the show. Thanks for listening to Disruption Interruption, where we transform lives, change consumer behavior, alter economics, and never accept the status quo. Ciao for now. 
Because we live in a highly litigious society, with America being one of the top litigious countries in the world, here's our legal disclaimer. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional public relations or legal advice. Do not disregard seeking professional legal, healthcare, or financial advice, or delay seeking professional PR or legal advice because of something you have heard here. Contact an attorney to obtain advice on any particular legal situation or problem. Use of this podcast or our website or any of its social media or email links do not create an agency-client relationship between Joto PR and the user.